Welcome to the Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast. Our host, Oscar and Dermo, will together with guests share proven, tested strategies for improving your life and business. At the end of each episode, you will learn how you can use technology to implement those strategies into your daily life. We want to help you bridge the gap from inspiration to implementation. Welcome to another episode of Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast. This episode is a premiere. It's the first time we have a stand-up comedian on the show. And his name is Al Pitcher and he's one of the biggest stand-up comedians in Sweden. He's done a lot of different tours in Sweden and he's been on the biggest uh, TV channels in Sweden and he actually makes fun of Swedish people. So if you are from Sweden you probably know who Al Pitcher is. If you're not I'm sure you'll still get a lot from this episode because Al Pitcher is really funny and you will also learn a little bit about Swedish culture. There's also a lot of lessons in Al Pitcher's journey from working in Ticketmaster to becoming a famous stand-up comedian and living on his stand-up and building that personal brand. Normally when I have guests on the show, you know, it's psychology professors or business tycoons and they, some of these guys have written, you know, 30 to 45 books and I need to read a lot of books to prepare. To prepare for this interview, I simply had to watch a lot of stand-up. So that was quite fun actually. It was a little bit different than reading all these heavy psychology books. I just watched uh, Al Pitcher doing stand-up on YouTube and also his Netflix special. So it was a nice way of preparing for a podcast. So I really enjoyed speaking to Al. He's really nice and funny guy. So, but first, let's take care of business. This episode is sponsored by Cobubble. This is a new learning and development platform that is perfect if you want to deliver digital content. More and more training and courses are being moved online due to the pandemic. Even when the pandemic is over, I believe that this trend will just continue to increase. So if you're a trainer or a coach, I can really recommend Cobabble as a tool. Actually, if you're any kind of business owner, an app where you can put digital content is a must in today's economy. Cobabble is easy to use, and since the platform is already developed, there's no need for you to pay any development cost. Simply pay a monthly subscription and start to put content on the app. The pricing is based on how many users you have, which means it scales as you grow. Perfect. For more information, go to strategictechcoaching/learningplatform. Mr. Al Pitcher, welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks. I always struggle with my eye. I don't struggle with my eyes, but I never know. I'm on Where a to look. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I know. <laughs> this uh, Zoom calls, if you look at the video or if you look at the camera. Yeah. I've done wonder... a few of these, yeah. and then they'll, they'll sort of message me. It's normally a guy that sort of like corrects me, and they're like, is something wrong with your eyes? You know, like I'm kind of looking over. Uh, but, um, yeah, yeah, I wonder how it is in all the companies now when all these business meetings are done in Zoom. So looking at the videos, if they look at the video of the other guy, they look at the video of themselves or they look at the camera. Sometimes you look right. more at yourself, you know. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. I reckon people will have like, you know, they already have anxiety about having meetings anyway. But mm. when their face is just up there like that, it must be full on, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So welcome to the show. And um, in Sweden, you are quite well known, but we also have listeners all over the world. So I like to start with, as I told you before, I used to live in Dubai. So I still have this Dubai question and pretend that you and me are in an elevator in Dubai and we're going in a tall building. And then the third guy is uh, standing there and he's asking us like, so what are you doing? And uh, what, what would be your answer? Um, I'm trying to get higher. Like, nothing to do with the lift. Nothing to do with the. Um, That's the best uh, answer so far. He's kidnapped me. Um, no, I um, basically 
uh, I made, um, I never had the ambition to be a stand-up, but I started stand-up in England. And then I was born in England, grew up in New Zealand, fell in love. And then I came to Sweden and I've done like maybe four really big tours, just about to do a biggest one ever until something happened that you might've heard of. Mm. And um, yeah, a couple of specials. So I do stand up comedy about Sweden, if I'm, yeah, if I'm yeah, absolutely yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah. So, and I would add to that because I'm in the lift as well, that yeah, Al Pitcher is a famous stand up comedian. He's been on most of the TV shows here in Sweden and uh, he makes fun of us. He makes fun of Swedes, so <laughs> I think. A lot in his stand-up. <laughs> yeah, I, in, a, in a kind of little tickle, tickle you kind of way, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, not, in a, not in a terrible kind of have a go at someone way. Mm, I'd, yeah. I'd hate that. Yeah. Uh, but let's get back to your background. So, so you're English, but you grew up in New Zealand. Like, are you born in New Zealand? or uh, Born in England, yeah. Uh, and how many yeah. years in England and how many years in New Zealand? Um, I I went to New Zealand when I was seven, mm-hmm. and when so that was I was born in seventy two, so that was seventy nine, um, and I remember when we left, it was basically here's the other side of the world, which it still is, it hasn't moved, but I remember people going, "We will never see you again." This, <laughs> you know, you're basically going to the moon, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I just, I, I went to New Zealand. Um, I, I think my mum and dad must have been quite young when I look back. So they didn't know what, the sh- what was happening, you know, mm. and got bullied a bit because I had this weird um, kind of Northern English accent. Um, and then, but I haven't really ever felt that I belonged almost to a country. Okay. Interesting. Weirdly, yeah. you know. If if, England, of, if England plays rugby against New Zealand, who do who do you check for? In, uh, New Zealand, because we've got the better dance. <laughs> uh, yeah, true. You know? yeah. And we're a bit more. Um, yeah, yeah. I, that is one thing that I'm 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 absolutely terrible at, and I got a lot of abuse when Sweden played England in the football World Cup. I really wanted Sweden to win. Um, there's that, there's that, it was a weird part of me that kind of wants England to lose everything. I don't know. I've got oh, mates there. I've got friends. I've got family there. But I love seeing England mess up. I hope this doesn't um, <laughs> affect your English listenership. But um, And also, New Zealand, we're, we're kind of like the underdog. You know, Sweden mm. is as well. So I've always been on that side, you know? Okay. Yeah, so part of this show will be about culture differences. So if you look first look at England versus New Zealand, what, what do you, what are like, because when you look, come from far away and you look like if someone from Asia looks at Norway and Sweden, they wouldn't see so much difference. And, but I mean, for us, we know there's a difference and England, New Zealand, one might think it's not so much different because the background, but what are the main differences you see in England and New Zealand in the culture? Well, I think I think in New Zealand you can be that um, we don't really have any class system as such, so you wouldn't um, uh, you could you could be in a restaurant and someone in shorts and a vest could be in there and they could be a multi multi millionaire, you know, be a farmer or something like that. 
Whereas in England, those people wouldn't be in that restaurant, you know? Mm, yeah. um, and, and in England, you can hear how they talk as well, what, what class they belong to. Exactly. Or, but yeah. I, I also think there's a weird misconception about like England that it's like downtown, uh, Downton Abbey and everyone's really posh and they're riding ponies. <laughs> and then you've, then you've got the, the no teeth kind of drink, you know, drinking and fighting. The foot, so, football guy, the football hooligan. Yeah. 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 But I, um, I think the British, I, I think up North where I'm from in, in a place called Huddersfield in Yorkshire, people will say hello to you in the street, you know, whereas if you lived in a big place like London, I know this is probably big city stuff, but in London, they just walk over your body to get on the bus, you know, they, mm. you know, um, yeah. whereas in New Zealand, you, that was the thing that I found very weird from Sweden was going to New Zealand. And I was going to say, going to the toilet. It's not that weird, but I'd go to the toilet and then someone would go, you're all right, mate, having a good day. And you'd be like, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, yeah, yeah. Or, or going into a shop and someone going, God, it's a bit cold out there, isn't it? And yeah. you're like, God, why are you talking to me? What, what, <laughs> why are we doing small talk? You know, you're, you're Swedish now for sure. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of like, it really made me realize like about being left alone and, and how, yeah. how kind of solo Sweden is. You yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. But, you grew up um, in, uh, where is it? Rotorua you grew up? Or? That's right. Yeah. yeah. If you I, I, I've been there actually. It smells, it smells there. It no? smells bad, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Swedes have got so strumming. We've just got the whole city. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, whole place. Yeah. Um, but stand up. You started stand up already back in New Zealand, or had you left already? No, I, I sort of. I, do you know what? My my schoolmates now, when I when I go back, they always say to me, "God, of course you're a stand up. Of course you did that." You know. But I never, I never thought I'd want to be funny or was funny but then always had an interest in stand-up comedy always loved it loved like billy Connolly, a scottish comedian used to listen to the records you know the for your young listeners you know you probably don't even know that do you and um and used to just love it and i'd be able to impersonate them everything and then um yeah i just i just got taken to a open mic club in london and my friend said God, you should give this a go. And I went along and I thought comedy was just big stadiums, really flash shows, a bit like Vegas, you know. But I went to see this one where it just seemed anybody could get up. It was literally like that, you know. And um, and some people were terrible, but other people were brilliant and natural. And some of them were just doing therapy, you know, mm. literally. <laughs> You know, it was keeping them away from doing something crazy. And uh, and I, I I said to the person, can I book? Is there any chance? And he said, yeah, the next spot is like six months away. So I had this whole six-month period of getting ready to do this gig, you know? And then you were working in London at that time, or Yeah, I worked in um, uh, for Ticketmaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, who I'd now try and sell tickets for my shows. Um, yeah. But yeah, I used to work in the, the kind of um, booking systems and stuff like that. I mm. was that person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So those six months, uh, you start preparing for getting on stage. Yeah. And it almost felt like 
it, I mean, it wasn't like doing a bungee jump and you could just go, no, nah, I'm not doing it. It felt like, and I, I sort of haven't really realized this until talking to you now, it, it did feel like a moment that I had to do it, you know? If I didn't do it, there was going to be something, not bad would happen to me, but I would regret it. Or I, you know, it felt like this is the time when everything came together. And I remember my friend, that same friend introduced me at a, um, at a party and said, oh, this is Al, he's a comedian. And I was like, whoa, 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 I haven't even done a gig. It's still four months away, you know? <laughs> so, so they start like, saying you were a comedian already at the time. Yeah, yeah, he introduced me. I don't know if he thought it was a cool job to uh, have. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I just, yeah, it was something that, and it still is the scariest thing you can do. You know, and, and for me, it's it, it's not so much scary now, but when people say to me, wow, how, how can you get up there in front of people that don't know you? You know, um, how can you do it? And I, I think I sort of, I, I think comedians miss that, that little part of their brain that, that tells them not to do it, you know? So um, I ended up doing a, a gig um, it was earlier than the six months. I think it was about five months in. I booked somewhere where you could just pop in and I completely died on stage. Like the worst, oh, the really? worst, but like, like a zoom call and everybody's on mute basically. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and this is true as well. There was, there was a dog in there in the pub. This is how good and, you know, um, venue this place was. And the dog was going like arr, arr, between <laughs> between my punchlines, you know. So I was big in the canine world, and uh, and I, all I remember is just putting the microphone back in the stand, and I sort of slipped, and it it kind of fell down, and someone at the back just went excellent, <laughs> and and that made me feel a, a, a million kroner, you know. I felt like I was just walking about this far off the ground. I remember walking, I, I, I genuinely, and this is no, no word of a lie. I sort of felt, wow, I've got some purpose now. I can do this. You know, even, even though there was such a bad experience there. Mate, it was a blur. It was just, it was uh, just like people were just okay. throwing colors at me. Uh, and at the end of it, I, it was almost like going in and someone saying, uh, this Saturday you're going to fight for the boxing championship of the world. And we, we think if you just push the people away and I, I just, I just went in and I, because I survived that, I thought I can survive anything, you know? Okay. Wow. I'm, I mean, you know, I could have yeah. been hit by a bus that day, but <laughs> I, uh, but, but know, I, so after that first night, did you think that, Oh, this could be a career for me or was it just like, I want to do it again. The kind of, I want to do it again. I never, never, ever had it as a, as a career. And I, I still, I don't think until I've actually got the right management that I've ever thought of it as a career. It's, it's been a, it's been a job that kept me away from getting a normal job, you know? Yeah. Um, and even during the whole Corona thing now, I, I feel like I'm sort of unemployable. You know, I, 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 because, because I, I write my own stuff. I kind of direct it. Um, 
you know, I perform it. I, I can't have someone, and this is not an ego thing. Maybe it is, I don't know. But I, I find it very difficult for someone to say, right, your job is to do this, clean all that. It's not like I don't mind working, but it's just that level of someone being my boss when I've yeah, been yeah. my boss for so many years, yeah. you know? No, but I know a lot of entrepreneurs that they say they are unemployable for the rest of their life. Once they try that freedom, and you know, it's difficult to go back to the corporate world. So it's understandable. So yeah, but, I mean, I could do, I could do a, like a, a mad job, like like horse riding and bringing sheep in, or so, I could do something like that. You know, <laughs> being but, a sinner, um, maybe, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but from from that first gig until you resigned from Ticketmaster how long time did that take um I think it was about 18 months and then you and were I, how many shows like you were just trying to get more and more shows or what, what what's the process? yeah yeah I, I ended up a lot of it is just talking to your peers and they go oh, I've got a show you can turn up on or you know as long as you're not as as long as you're not abusive to the audience you normally get a chance you know, mm. people will book you and they're not paying you. Mm. Um, and then I started doing a lot of hosting shows and uh, being the MC for the night and conferencier. And I would, um, uh, and I was told the amount of money you're earning at Ticketmaster, as soon as you earn the same amount that you are from comedy, that's when you can quit. And I quit way earlier than that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I was, yeah, it was not a, a brilliant business decision short term. Long term, it's been the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. But it was, yeah. you know, jumping off the cliff, you know. Yeah. So, so, like, I don't think there's not that many stand up aspiring listeners, but there's a lot of listeners that want to maybe start their own business and maybe do a career as a keynote speaker and all this. So would you recommend them the same thing like you did or take that advice and wait until you make more money on the side business or go early? Yeah. I think it depends. <laughs> if, if you own Amazon, don't do it. Uh, <laughs> but no, if, if it, it just depends if you're, if you sort of, find yourself a bit lost and, mm. and your passion is there. And if you think like, if you sort of see the light, I, I sort of could see, okay. I could see something. I, so you I, you I, came I, far already. So you, there was uh, hope basically that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, and I, 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 I don't think I actually even thought it was going to go wrong or, I always thought Ticketmaster will always be there. That job will always be there. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't actually have a safety net as such, but there was always that, well, I've done this. I could always go back to that. No matter if I feel that will be a bad thing, I could always do it. Uh, okay. And I, I remember exactly the, the, the day I, I did a gig in uh, Plymouth, which is outside London by about like five hours on a train. And it cost me more money for the train ticket than I got paid for the gig. And then I remember getting back on the, and it was a night train. So I could get back for work the next day. And I got back and the, the, the train came in early and they did an announcement saying, 
anybody the underground isn't open yet you can have you can sleep we will wake you up in an hour got back to my um uh went to the office then and i was just still smelling i'd just been asleep i didn't even get a bed i just slept in a chair and i just said to my boss this will be like one of my last weeks i'm gonna try it, it was really? quite um i think it was boiling up but it was yeah. a bit kind of you know, I, I I did it a bit like, yeah, I'll do this, you know? Okay. So did, did the stress help you to push through? Like the, the money stress then, like, okay, now it's, now I burn my bridges. Now I really need to make this happen. Do you know what? I actually think there is, there is a point in life and um, I might be totally wrong here, but money has never really mattered to me. So it, I, I just thought I'll I'll survive anyway, mm. you know, and and it was a very it was very much a cash kind of industry then. Mm. You know, you'd still, you know, have to put it through the tax and stuff, but you were getting paid cash. So you sort of always had money in your mm. pocket. I know we're mm. a bit of a cashless society now mm. in Sweden. I actually prefer the Swedish way where you know where yeah, everything's you going. Mm. You know, I think it it, mm. everybody's above board i think mm. uh maybe i'm naive but i remember thinking i'm sort of i feel rich enough you know oh, okay. it was never it, it was never about making huge amounts of money and i always thought uh if if it goes wrong i think maybe i maybe i've always had that thing of i could go back to the hobbit land at some stage mm. you know <laughs> you know mm. so yeah yeah so and I, I mean, I always, yeah. If you would have walked to that gig, you would have made forty pounds instead of <laughs> losing ten. So you could well, have. That, that is a very entrepreneur kind of way of thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I just. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, in Stockholm, I occasionally you bump into Brits or Australians or New Kiwis, and then normally they are immigrants of love. They're refugees of love. So yeah. you you met your Swedish wife in London, or how, how did you guys meet? That's right. Yeah, I I talk about it in the last stand up special where I was I was working in a bar and uh, uh, in um, East London, and she walked in. And uh, what's the joke? The joke is I'll do the joke. Um, I did not know she was my wife at the time. Yeah, that's a joke. Um, I'd never met her. She came in. She said, can I have a rum and Coke? This is true. And I was behind the bar and I said, how much Coke would you like with that? Very charming. I was, I was like Tom Cruise and cocktail, you know? <laughs> and, um, and she said, you should know that's your job. And I was like, Whoa. <laughs> I was like, that, that's that Scandinavian yeah. love I've heard of that Nord Nordic flirting. And then we just sort of, we hit it off. We fell in love. Yeah. and there was but, something was she was living something. in london or, or yeah, yeah 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 she was working in another in another pub and then she ended up getting a job at the same pub and we sort of yeah we sort of went our separate ways we didn't we didn't sort of it wasn't that instant love kind of thing but we sort of liked each other and then I bumped into her in Leicester Square Station, proper sliding doors kind of oh, stuff, you know. Oh. And she was, she was with her mum, who was visiting from Sweden. And her mum said to her, 
oh, that boy, he really looked at you in a strange way. <laughs> and I don't know whether it was the dust underneath, you know, the underground. Um, but yeah, so she kind of knew. And then, um, yeah, we, 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 we went out on a few dates and she did this wonderful Swedish thing. She wrote me a, a letter and, and it said, um, I've had such a good time with you. This has been great, but I'm now going back to Sweden now for one month. And then that was it. And I remember reading the note going, God, that's cold. How, <laughs> how are these people? These, these, you know, and, and then about, about, about a week after she'd gone, I was really down and stuff. And I flipped over the piece of paper and she'd written, and I love you very, very much, you know, so it, it could have ended if I wasn't uh, such an idiot, you know? So, so sliding doors and uh, thankfully you turn the page around. Yeah. Otherwise we wouldn't have the El Pitcher famous yeah. Swedish stand-up. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I, I turned the page, man. And um, yeah, so I, um, and then I used to always love coming to Sweden. I loved coming to Stockholm. We, but she we took you in the summer? Or? Yes, she did. Yes, very, <laughs> you know, very different and beautiful. And uh, people are kind of elbowing each other as they do these days. Um, and then I, um, I actually quite liked, because London was so shitty with the weather, not as bad, not, but not as cold as here. I quite liked, because we'd come here for Christmas mm. and it was snowing and, yeah, yeah. and people were throwing snowballs at each other like dumb and dumber. It was great. Yeah. And then I just said to her one time, I said, we should try, you know, let's try. I'd done very well in stand-up in, um, in England and we'd toured the world as well. Me and my wife would kind of, I've been lucky enough to take shows to China, India, um, Dubai, you know, I, I, I will try it here. And I didn't have any plan, right? No plan whatsoever. It was basically come here i'd go back to england for a week do shows and then i'd come back to sweden mm. so there was no oh, i'm gonna try and conquer sweden you know there was oh, okay. no okay um and weirdly the kind of the 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 recession hit england so comedy kind of slowed down a bit and like 2008 2009 or... yeah yeah that was yeah. it yeah yeah and then it started picking up for me here. So it's, and then I, I, there was no, there was no point in going all the way to, um, uh, to England to tell them FIFA and I love snooze, you know? <laughs> but yeah. how did you get into stand up in Sweden? Like, did you just go to the comedy clubs and like, Hey, or yeah, there's, there's a, comedy club in, yeah. a comedy club in Stockholm called big Ben. Mm, yeah. which is a, a, a drop-in like open mic place and I, I i sort of said this before in an interview but it was a little bit like i fell fell in love again with doing stand-up coming here because i think i'd done all the big comedy clubs in england i'd done some tv i'd done all the festivals and then i came here and i just I don't know. It was, it was almost like I had a purpose to write. So I really, that's why, you know, my mates now go, Oh, I've got a gig in, um, 
Newcastle. Do you want to come over and do like 15 minutes and we can hang out? And I'm like, I've got nothing to say to English people, right? Because I've got, it's all very, very, very Swedish, you yeah, know, or yeah. Scandinavian, very Scandinavian. Yeah. So it was almost like starting again when mm. I came here. Yeah, it was like yeah. giving her this old new lease of life. And, and I started, you know, I, I've never taken it for granted doing stand up, but oh, when I got back here, I was like, I just, you know, and, and people were, I was kind of something different as well, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah. Whereas in England, like everybody from around the world, com comedian wise, goes to London, mm. you know, or London or New York, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah of course. Yeah, you're a little bit different than uh, this normal Swedish comedy scene, I would, I would guess. Uh, so you started to do observations about Sweden and used that in the stand-up, right? But what was like yeah. some of the first weird things that you, when you came to Sweden, like, this is weird? Well, I... Um... I started to kind of the thing that got me was just the way that the Swedes would get on with things. Whereas I was used to like London, if like one bit of snowflake hit the whole of the city would stop, but mm. there was just something here. It was just about seeing the kids kind of put into their little, you know, the little kind of <laughs> submarine kind of things. And you're like, I just give them a day off preschool. You know, look at them and they're freezing. <laughs> and they throw them in this little plastic punka, <laughs> like a little slide. And the, the mum or the dad, they wrap the rope and they drag them like through the snow. It builds like, character. Yeah, yeah. And you see, you almost see the kid with a little whip going, get me there, you know. Um, <laughs> so there was that part of it. And like, you know, and, and people were like, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go to, um, I'm going to go to work. And I'm like, but you, you can't, you know, <laughs> and then and the, the weird, another weird thing for me, and it's, it's sort of got better and I've got used to it is when summer happens. And I don't know if all your listeners have been to Sweden, they just disappear for like three months, like two or three months. People, you know, and I'd go, I, I might go and get a haircut and there'd be a note on the hairdressers going, won't be back until September the 4th. And you're like, <laughs> what? Yeah. You yeah. know, so that was, that was something that I really struggled with that, mm. you know, like Stockholm just emptied. Yeah. Downtown you know? Stockholm. I mean, downtown Stockholm midsummer or after that it's empty. Yeah, it's me. gone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was Except just the, the tourist. The yeah. It was just getting used to all the cultural things and uh and, and also not they don't do small talk here. I think we talked about that, but mm. you know, you could go into a shop and they they could drop something and you'd go, hey, hey and they'd go <laughs> like why are you why are you mocking me? Who are you? You know, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. So and and for a what my mum and dad come over sometimes. And they struggle because they're very kind of, hello, how are you? Mm. You know, and the Swedes are like, what's wrong with these people? You know, mm. so, um, yeah, I, 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 I'd like more of a balance of that. But, um, yeah, so it was just, it was just picking up on, on little things. And I was, the best thing about, for me being here was a Swede, for example, the blue bags that they put on the shoes. 
Mm. Now, what that, what happens in Sweden is uh, during winter, if you go into an office or a gym or a, or a doctor's or school, you have to put blue bags over your shoes. And, um, and they lose their minds if you try and get in without the blue bags, right? But if you leave with the blue bags on your shoes, not one Swedish person tells you, okay? <laughs> now, our, our, you know, they'll just be there at the window laughing at you. <laughs> Look at you, little Smurf foot, right? <laughs> now, the great, the great thing about that for me was a Swede can't do that joke because they can't go, oh, remember the blue bags? Because they'd go, yeah, you do as well because you've grown up here. Mm. And also the big international comedian who comes in for one night doesn't know that little, little bit of information. So for me, it was always about just doing local jokes, but just so local. So to the yeah. point where, you know, I've done a few shows in Lulio and we've talked for 15 minutes about a roundabout or a, or a traffic light, you know? Mm, mm. So that was always the big inspiration for me was, yeah. you know, um, and someone said about like my stand up is I, I just put up a mirror to Swedes. You know, mm. I don't, I, I personally wouldn't go and watch a comedian who was on stage going, Sweden's a bit shit, isn't it? You know, mm. da, 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 da. I'd be like, well, just go home, just go somewhere mm, yeah, else, mate. It, yeah. So it has to be celebrating with you, you know, mm. it has to be yeah. kind of having a laugh with you, not at you, you yeah. know. So, so your Netflix special is it uh, launched worldwide or is it on the Swedish Netflix? Uh, Swedish, Swedish and um, in, in the Nordics as well. Okay, and, yeah, and, because and, uh, I mean, me and my wife watched it and we were laughing a lot, but like you're saying, if you're watching it from the UK, maybe you don't understand the jokes. So yeah, it's very localized. Yeah, um, it's in the UK as well, and I get a few emails saying what is Fifan and stuff mm. like that, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I, I used to think, I used to think, oh God, it's is it too? Am I being too narrow with my culture? You know, too narrow with what I'm writing about which makes it tough, but it also gives it that real spark. If you can get something that the whole audience, not just 5%, but the whole audience mm. is going, wow, that's what happens to me. I do that. I get angry about wet snow, you know? Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Does it work in Norway, Finland and Denmark as well? Have you done tours? I, I did. I once did a show where it was Norway versus Sweden and I was representing Sweden. Oh, okay. And there was, there was two comics on each country and it was mainly a Norwegian audience and the Norwegians found it hard to understand the Swede, but they really liked me. They just sort of understood English a bit more, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. So, it was um it went really well and i i can shape it a little bit for norway i've you know i have got jokes on norway finland denmark when mm. i go and do gigs there you know okay yeah yeah okay uh for 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 swedish people what what are some things that you think that we think we everyone knows about us but people don't really know? like we think 
people know about Sweden, but if you go to South of Europe or if you go to, like I had Richard Perkins, another English guy on the show. He's a, he's a farmer that moved to Värmland now and he's an organic farmer. And he said like when he grew up in England, they, he didn't read so much about Scandinavia. So when he came here, he didn't know that much, but I think a lot of Swedish people think that people know. Yeah. So, like when you came I, here, did you know what Sweden was about or was it like ABBA and what? I think it was there was there's some parts of it think it's a bit like an old kind of Russia you know like it's all very mm-hmm. you know knock on the doors very quiet and stuff like that and they're not as, um, yeah and they're not as um, outgoing I, I, I do think they can be very quiet they don't get involved and you know, but then if you see them, you know, I remember seeing them on holiday in Spain, a bunch of Swedes, and you'd be like, wow, yeah. they like to party. And yeah. I think if you just add a little bit of alcohol, the Swede will 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 be really different. And I think that's that's been a part for me of finding out, like, just as a society, they're a bit quieter here. Um, but yeah, in a party situation, yeah, they they certainly go for it, you know. Yeah. And I I think I think a lot of people probably think they are more party than they are, you know. Mm-hmm. Probably they think, Way! and then they get back to their house and they're like, oh no, you're not really like that, are you? Mm-hmm. We're gonna sit here and watch, you know, Idol for three hours and not talk, you know. Yeah. Is it uh, like North England? Are there similarities between the Northerners and the Swedes? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think they're very loyal. The Swedes. I think they're um, they're very, very traditional, though. You know, I, I know countries. I know countries have celebrations that go on throughout the year, and everything comes up, and oh, it's this time of the year. The Swedes just. It's just every year is the same thing, you know. You sort of you you end up going good for shortening, which is like no one knows what that is to be honest. Like go on, continue, do what you do, and then you hit, and then there's the cakes. All the cakes start coming out in the different times of the year. There's the potatoes with everything, you know. It, it's um, it's very kind of, it's very rigid, you know, and and I. This summer, because it's been different, we've we've been on like a we've been on a boat a lot. You know, we went out on a boat, and that's been another aspect of Sweden that I never thought. Yeah, in the Stockholm and, islands in Stockholm. Yeah, or, yeah, that's another yeah. subculture kind of. I grew it up is. with that as well. You know. and you have you know in Sweden you have the sailors and you have the camping people, and it's like different. You know, if you go camping, there's one way, but if you're a sailor, you're it's a different lifestyle. Exactly, and it was or boating, you know, and you you sort of come into the little um, the brigga, the marina thing, and like a stranger will help pull your yeah, boat in, yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, you know, and and people will tell you their journey, and you're like, mate, you've only been going across the island for fifteen minutes, you know, like <laughs> yeah. they talk like they're they're going around the world, you know, yeah. But, yeah. No, yeah, it's a little yeah. bit different on the islands in the summer when you go. People are helping each other and talk to each other, which we normally yeah. don't do that much. You know. Yeah, maybe it's the uh, the fresh air that gets to them. Yeah, or the gin and tonic when you arrive to the harbor. So. Yeah. 
but I mean, it's, um, yeah, I, 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 I do think there are aspects of Sweden. Um, I also think, I, I find a lot of like, like television as such is, has a different way of looking at Sweden than it, than it sometimes is, you know, mm. like, I, I think there's this kind of, um, there's a different culture than the little red house, you know, everybody blonde playing cub, you know, <laughs> there's, there's, there, there are, there's a, there's a, there's immigrants of which I am one of who are a little bit confused with what happens in cub, mm, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> but, I, I do think that people are very set in their ways and they have their own um, their own aspects on how life goes. They're kind mm. of a bit blinkered, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you found your Chanterelle spot yet? And can you share the listeners where it is? I can't tell anyone. I'd have to kill you, man. <laughs> um, yeah. If, if, yeah. I mean, people know they don't they? They know about, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the mushroom thing is, like, my wife said the other day, she was really sad in the kitchen. She was like, I just, I've never been good at finding mushrooms. And I'm like, God, it's not, it's not an <laughs> Olympic event, you know. Yeah. Like, you're, you're a brilliant mother. You're the best wife ever, brilliant person just lay lay calm on yourself you know <laughs> so it's okay if your wife is not good at finding mushrooms you're okay with that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i am yeah. yeah yeah for sweet i don't know it's, i think it's okay yeah <laughs> no but that was one of the things from i picked up from your netflix i think that uh, swedes have a secret spot where they, and they don't share that with anyone when they find their mushrooms well, yeah and a friend of mine came to the actual recording of that he's like a big comedian in england and he was like i understood like maybe 30 40 percent of the show mm. you know yeah. but he said it was so it's so zoned on their lives you know yeah. yeah and then when you talk about like the like mushroom like that it seems like how can that be funny like but it is here it's hilarious you know yeah. <laughs> it's something that you know really it, it's it's very um it's very understood that, that that's what happens yeah, you know yeah, yeah. And, I, and the other thing that i we thought it was really funny like i lived in australia some time and when you go to australia you, you google the most dangerous animals and uh, yeah and you met the most dangerous animal in sweden now when you're out in the forest yeah i um there's a little bug called the festing which which i've i've now had um i've had a couple more dealings with but um my wife's very good at my wife's very good at finding them to be honest not mushrooms but um but we're still together um she um she don't she'll do that i don't think i understand how serious the festing is i still think it's quite funny <laughs> that this little tiny little bug is the most scariest thing ever but but swedes are like it's a best thing it's a fast thing you know they lose this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? i didn't get the vaccination now and my family is all after me like, oh you have to take the vaccination oh, yeah, yeah 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 so they think i'm like 
driving without a seatbelt, you know? Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, so, so fasting is basically tick, right, in English? Yes, yeah. yeah. Do you but have it I'd in uh, still... New Zealand? Are there ticks in New Zealand? Of course we do. We have, well, we don't have dangerous animals, actually, but I'm yeah, sure... There's no, sna- there's no snakes in New Zealand, huh? No, no. That's, that's, the, that's, that's a good thing. I mean, Australia, mm. we don't have scary spiders or any, or any of that carry on. Mm. But, um, but, yeah, we have ticks, but it's not. You know, it's not the third item on the national news. You know, it's, uh, it doesn't make any headlines in newspapers. It's just something that we get on with, you know? Yeah, uh, uh, like, yeah no, you need to be careful with those festing um, dangerous <laughs> stuff. Uh, yeah, so, so my wife is from another culture than me. Uh, do you have any, I don't know if stand-up, is, stand-up comedian is the best on giving relationship advice, but do you have any relationship advice when you live in two different cultures? Like if you're a mixed culture couple. Uh, yeah. I, my wife said it the other, last night actually, but my kids both, my kids said it, how it's so, when you speak in English or you speak another language that isn't Swedish, it's, it seems very a lot heavier, a lot kind of darker, you know, whereas my, you know, like if I see something like a cat, I'll go, Oh, look at, look, that's a cute cat. But my kids are like, gooly, gooly, gooly. <laughs> something, there's something that is really light about the Swedish language. So there are times where I will say something or sh- my wife will say something. And I think, God, right, I'm going to get my bags. I'm out of here. But she doesn't mean it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think I think it's just, it is literally a different culture of, of dealing with things. I also don't think, I, I was sort of brought up to deal with situations like if that, if this needs fixing, fix it now. All right. And I don't know if that's just my personality. I think it's a New Zealand thing. But here in Sweden, they're like, ah. you know, and New Zealand is very, is very, ah, she'll be right, mate. He'll be fine. You know, we'll sort it out whenever. But here it's, they, they don't want the stress or they don't want to be told. So there's a relationship thing. Don't tell your wife, just don't tell her to do anything. Let her have freedom. Um, Is it maybe the, related to conflicts or avoiding conflicts? For the... I think so, yeah. I think so. I think it's about doing it in their own time and not being told to do it. Or maybe it's just me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe I'm just a bit of a dick. And, uh, <laughs> and when I say it, it's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... Let's see. Uh, so sex, you build your stand-up career. That's uh, it's been taking uh, a long time, and now you you were supposed to do these arenas now, but because of COVID, everything changed. And, but for someone that, uh, for example, if, if want to build their personal brand, and like we have some people that want to become uh, professional speakers, and stuff, like what recommendations would you have for them to build their personal brand? I would say. Um... I would say kind of 
for the for the for the actual product that you're trying to produce, I think. Did you hear that? God, yeah. it was a, it was an aeroplane, and then the rain came down really heavy. The airplane just passed by here where I'm sitting, so it must oh, have right. been the same. It was some kind of fighter jet, I think. Yeah, really yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm in center Stockholm. I don't know. You're a bit outside of it. I'm down the south. Yeah, but I, yeah. when I heard it, I mean, th- this is this is kind of a Swedish attitude as well. We probably just got invaded by the Russians, <laughs> and and you're like, let's get this podcast done, and then we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll deal with we'll you tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I um, I would say write about what you know. Don't sort of um, go to start with anyway. Don't go out of your um, your your box, like and and have your own originality in, in how your the, the the brand and what you want to do. Um, ask people that you admire and. Mm ultimately go with your own gut you know mm-hmm. and uh i know you you work on like um like personal kind of training and stuff like that yeah. and uh and i interestingly i've just listened to a a, a book um uh, limitless mm-hmm. i got yeah um by jim quick i think it is okay. and I was really, really not into when I started doing stand up. Here's something I, this is a thing that I think you can take on and you learn more from life. Is I was very, very skeptical of all that kind of let's go, we can do this, build your mindset, motivation method, the triangle, you know, one <laughs> the, secret, the, the secret technique, go, yeah, yeah, all that. There's no I in T, you know. But as I've got older, I've kind, I've got more into it, you know, mm-hmm. because because after a while, I think your own development just needs a bit of a kick. So you need to listen to what other people think, just so you don't, you you can form your own opinions against someone else's sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think our opinions sometimes are just put on us and we forget to understand what we actually feel about the stuff, Mm. you know, especially, I mean, in that book, especially the idea of, um, of like social media, you know, our opinions are just, we read it and we go, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And we don't make our own opinions, you know? Mm. So um, dealing with the, the brand thing, for me with my stand up was um something that i hadn't really thought of i was just i i remember once doing a show in edinburgh and i did 5 minutes and it was the pick of the fringe festival uh the show and at the end the guy who hosted it would interview you and stand up was just i went it went great right and i don't say that very often because i'm my worth critic and it went really great and then he interviewed me afterwards and he said so what's your show about because i was there to promote my show and i said i don't know it's just you know it's just 
you know, he thought that was funny. And he said to me in front of like, I think it was 800 people, he went, really funny guy, but doesn't really know what he's about, mm. you know? And, and it's taken me years to kind of get there. And my, my manager, um, Anna, um, she's really shaped my, I, I, I would say this, if you're trying to find a brand, it's almost partner up with someone or work, work. This is very important to work with a team, to get a team of, you know, almost like the Avengers, you know, get the, 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 your ultimate team around you. But for me, it was a big step to work with her and she had the experience. And instead of me like looking like that, she was looking at different angles. And, um, and I was sort of then taught to realize that, oh yeah, I can do that. And, you know, I used to just wear like an old t-shirt and old jeans. Um, and then we sort of chatted about like personal image on stage mm -hmm. and I started wearing a suit mm -hmm. and I don't know. I used to think people that wear suits on stage, I'm like, God, they're either, you know, presidents or, or, you know, they're faking it, but it really suited me. I, I thought I looked like I was going to a funeral or, you know, going to get married or something. But I put the put the um, the suit on, and it just made me. All oh, right, I've got a show to do. This is a bit showbiz, you know. Mm. So, and also people will then go, "Oh, that's that guy in the suit." Mm. I, yeah, so it becomes part of the part of the brand. How, how long have you worked with her, Anna? Um, about five years now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, looks like you guys have been doing a good job because. I mean, you're on the main TV channels here in Sweden and uh, like your brand is big now in Sweden. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I think that's a, that's an amazing aspect for me is like when you start out, I, I didn't do it to be famous or to have brand or anything, but then after a while with, with the things, with the way the world goes and the way that, it's really important to have that, you know, mm. it's very important that, that you can be described in like one sentence. Oh, he's that New Zealand British guy who jokes about Sweden, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think she's helped me also realize that what you do isn't for everyone, you know, mm -hmm. you know, like, like you have the music charts, like, a Metallica fan is probably not going to buy a Taylor Swift album, mm. you know, and that's, and comedy is very much people's choices. You know, mm. we could sit down tonight and watch a movie. It's not a date, but we could. And, you know, you'd go, that is the worst thing ever. And I'd be crying with laughter. And, mm. and you can't, when you're on stage, you can't worry about the people that are just sitting there like that. You know, you just mm. got to get the ones that are laughing. You know, mm. if they're all sitting like that, <laughs> then you have a problem. Trouble, you know? <laughs> yeah, but, so find a group of people that, uh, that, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, and just take small, take small steps, you know. Don't, I mean, I suppose quitting a job and, and then deciding that I'm going to do 
comedy was a big, big step. But at the time, it felt like this is the right thing to do. But I would say take small steps, you know, and, and you know, look at what you want to do. And, and at, at the beginning of it all, you almost like look at it as a hobby then it becomes something that is bigger than than it is i mean i find when you're doing like say and i would put personal speaking along with like comedy and stuff like that mm. i think it's very hard to have set goals you know it's very difficult to go right i want to by the end of 2022 to be doing a show at globen because mm you might just get the right thing next week, you know? So you just take small steps and you take whatever, whatever comes, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. And from my, my, my personal experience, I'm listed on many of the speaking agencies in Sweden and I know you are as well. And I had like a a number goal that I had for this year, the number of talks I want to give and then COVID happened. And yeah. of course, yeah, not yeah. just like external factor that is outside of, and now not much is happening in that space, you know. So. Absolutely. And probably the biggest external factor that, you know, people that do this will ever, probably ever face, you know. Mm. Um, and I would say it's good to have ambition, but, you know, with brands and stuff, don't be too hard on yourself, mm. you know. Yeah. You know, if, if you're doing something that you love doing, I think it's, you know, I, I'm not a show offy kind of person. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely dull, you know, um, in a party situation, people are like, God, he's not that funny, is he? You know? <laughs> um, but I love being on stage, mm. you know, and I've really found something that, you know, that I absolutely adore doing. And I think that's important as well, because then everything else, if you love doing it, you know, Mm. um, but you've also got to be really dedicated to it. You know, I I kick my own, Mm. I kick my own ass, you know, wanting to be better and you go, I want to be the best comic. But then I find myself just, you know, googling a rabbit hole you know like yeah. you know it's easy to I get wore, distracted wore, yeah for wore socks on my ears would i be warm in winter and i'm like what am i doing you know <laughs> yeah. no but you said before in the show that you were unemployable or that you don't want to go back to, so your personal brand can help you with that because then you know uh, you can use that to get gigs and all this so it's uh, yeah 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 yeah, I agree. I but I I also think um, I also feel that I I didn't have any ambition to do arenas, but that just sort of naturally, like I I I really don't like watching comedy in arenas. Mm. But then I thought, how will I know if I can ever make it work if I don't give it a go? Mm. You know. And I, I'm not, I'm not very, I'm not very like that at all. You know, mm-hmm. the whole of summer, Swedes have been in the water telling me it's really warm. It's beautiful <laughs> in here. And I am going, no, there is no way I'm going in there, you know? <laughs> yeah. And my kids are like, what is wrong with you? You know, why are you not? Mm. I think I did it once. I went for a run and it was so hot that I just end up just jumping off and, you know, 
but still my kids are like it's free they come out and they're blue and you know so i'm not i'm not jump off the cliff kind of guy you know mm. but um but if sometimes it just it just fits into what you want to do yeah. and that's that's amazing yeah <laughs> uh what's your favorite swedish stand-up comedian and what's your favorite international stand-up and you cannot say yourself but i would never say <laughs> no i know <laughs> are, 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 are people humble in new zealand as well or because in sweden we tend tend to be humble you know is that the uh, same thing in new zealand or in england as well you're not supposed to brag that much right or... yeah but i think um but there's the yanti lagen i think yeah. in, in in sweden i think in the Nordics, actually, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the Nordics. But I think um, New Zealand, very, very much so. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, England. No, I think England's got that that ambition. Probably mm, not. Yeah. Not American you know, style, but uh, more than Sweden and New Zealand. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've done stories about him, but Bono, who's my favorite, the my favorite band, U two. He used to tell a story about. You know how Irish people would, you know, they'd be like, "Oh, go you too," and then he bought a house on a hill, and they'd go, "God, he's a he's a total idiot," you know. <laughs> God, I hate you too. So, I think that there's always that. I think we've got a thing in New Zealand called tall poppy syndrome, which is like Yanti Lagen. If you get too too high for yourself, you mm-hmm. know. They'll be mm. like, "Hey, mate, pull, pull it in a bit. Who, who do you think you mm. bloody are?" You know. Yeah. Um. I, and also, I think as a comic, as a stand-up, you sort of know. Like I've been in like old working men's clubs in in England, and you meet people that are a hundred times funnier than I'll ever be. You know. Mm. And they they will not stop reminding you of that, you know. So, mm. um, my favourite comic here, um, I like Glantz. I mm. think Johan Glantz. I, I almost, I don't think he'd be aware of this, but I sort of, I look at him as a kind of inspiring kind of way that he, he sort of, you know, he did a few arenas, I think, on the last tour. And it wasn't an arena tour, but... And uh, I I think he, he... He does my style of comedy where you can make a 10-year-old or a 90-year-old laugh, you mm. know? And he's, he's all right with joking about himself. So he would mm. be my favourite. Um, and then if I, if I went into, like the favorite of the world my mum probably no um i i think i think you sort of get i i look at other comics who i don't do that style of comedy you know mm. so people like dave Chappelle and like um i really like bill burr mm. and they're kind of really you know below the belt full-on comedy i don't do that i'm pretty much coldplay you know mm. I'm, I'm there <laughs> yeah. i'm there to make people laugh you know yeah. um family friendly and, as well yeah mm. very much so i i want 
I want to be able to be on stage and everybody in the room isn't going, oh, God, I wish I hadn't brought. This is mm-hmm. not for him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Ricky Gervais style? Yeah, I saw Gervais in, um, at Globen just before the whole COVID thing. Mm. I didn't think the show was that great, but mm. I th- he has written The Office, so you can't complain. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I liked um, a guy called Billy Connolly as well, Scottish comedian. Um, I, I, I love, you know, this might sound a bit cheesy, but I actually love any, any co- comedian anybody that gets up and has a go, you know, somewhere along the way, the journey has made them to be standing up there holding a mic. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. No, it must be uh, it's a special situation, you know, uh, you know, I listen to a lot of American podcasts and they always talk about this bombing in front of a big crowd and how, how terrible it is. And <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it stays with you as well. My my worst bombing ever was um, at a Christmas gig, and in England, and it was for a load of electricians. There was four hundred electricians and their their partners, and I just remember being on stage, and all I honestly all I could hear was just my feet squeaking on the stage and me talking. So I was like, "Is it?" <laughs> and then and then from the side i heard someone go this guy's shit he is awful oh god he's awful oh. and i look over and it's the it's the owner and his wife they're waiting to come on to give out some big prizes oh. and then because it's christmas they've given them out like party hats but everybody's got these long balloons so i'm doing the jokes as the as i think they are they're blowing there's like 400 people going and they're blowing <laughs> balloons and they're going uh. all around the room i get i stop and literally it's this oh. <laughs> then i stand there and i say to the um to the organizer i said is there any way out like so i don't have to walk through them and she goes i am so so sorry so I had to walk through them. And you get back after something like this. You know, that's, that's Mate, weird. it was, do you know what it's like? It was like, you know when they bring like a murderer into court and people are trying to get to the van or something, you know, oh. like, or something's, someone's done something really bad. No. It was, I remember just walking and I had my head down and people were coming into my, like, my face and going, you're the worst. Give up. Go on. You're rubbish. And oh. the 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 organizer for about two months used to SMS me all the time to go, "How's your day going?" Because she knew how shook up I was from it. It was oh. the worst. Oh. It sticks with you. I can imagine. You know? I see this Game oh. of Thrones scenes when when the, yes. that lady walked through and everyone is screaming. Yeah. James, yeah. Yeah. But um but you don't become a comic until you've had those times, mm, you know? Yeah, yeah. Sadly, I'd I'd love to say that I've done great everywhere. And my, mm. my manager now who's probably gonna listen to this will be going, Oh my god, that's terrible for the brand. But I think it's good to be honest. Yeah, and, no, exactly. Uh, yeah. No, I mean I've had some terrible ones, you know. Yeah. But that can be fuel to uh, 
work on yourself and become better for the next one because you don't want to end up in the same situation. Yeah, I, I don't have, I don't have like ultimate bombings, touch mm. wood, but I, from now, but I do have ones that just bite me on the ass. I think that that's a good bit of advice is once you think you know you're doing it well, you know, then all of a sudden it just goes, Mm -mm. Mm. you need to, you know. Mm. Um, so that's, that's happened a couple of times where I've gone, God, I fancy this. I'm, you know, and you go up and it just doesn't happen. And it's, it's okay. Those are the worst ones. It's mm. okay. When it's just average, you want it to be brilliant. Mm. And there's another weird part of you wants it to be than throwing carrots and cauliflower at you, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so the um, tour for the uh, uh, arenas, arenas is not happening this year, I assume. What does the future hold for that picture? Um, I have an argument with my son coming up where he's come home and he's supposed to do homework, but all he's doing is finding his football gear for training tonight. <laughs> and I, I, I just became my dad before. And I said to him, you can't put school before football. <laughs> so I don't know what that means, but I don't know. Like sometimes you see your teacher or an old friend or, a, you know, someone, your parents and you're like, Oh God, I'm turning mm. into them. But, um, I, um, I now we've rescheduled the tour, uh, for next year. I um, I sort of made that decision. We did. We made that decision quite early on. Um, we announced it in like April, I think. And we just said, look, I know it's eight months away, seven months away, but we think that this isn't going to happen for your own safety. And that's what it was all about, really. It wasn't about continuing to sell tickets, you know, I, I, I don't want to rip anyone off, you know, mm. and I know when you buy a ticket, you know, it's a lot of money. And then, so people had time to give them, you know, give their, get their money back. And luckily loads of people have gone, no, I'm sticking with this guy. So we've rescheduled it for 2021 now okay, in, in autumn as well. We were going to go spring, but I still don't think things are going to happen in spring. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Interesting times. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time and for the, great, listen for the listeners I recommend you to go to Netflix and, and watch the special and uh, if you're not from Sweden you can learn a little bit about Swedish culture and uh, also follow Al Pitcher on Instagram because you're posting some funny stuff on Instagram anything wow, else wow. for the listeners <laughs> no thank you for this man it's been great yeah. fun yeah I, I brought a bun for my fika but I didn't I was so into it was so interesting to talk to you I forgot to eat my <laughs> bun <laughs> a digital fika I've been doing stand up about those how you can get addicted to these fikas man like yeah. you end up going oh, rather than just a zoom meeting let's make it a digital fika yeah you know? exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time thanks mate so there you go, Al Pritchard and I talking about his journey on becoming a famous startup comedian and also how he makes fun of Swedish people. I heard if you're not from Sweden, maybe you learned a little bit about Swedish culture and uh, yeah, my, maybe some things you didn't understand. But yeah, Al Pritchard is really funny. I recommend you to follow him on Instagram, Al Pitcher, and also check out his Netflix special. In this episode, we had a love immigrant 
uh, in the next episode of the Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast, we have a, a refugee coming from Syria. A little bit different situation, but he shares his story on uh, coming from Syria, uh, leaving his home country and coming to Sweden and his experience uh, of that journey. Really interesting stuff. So subscribe to the show. And uh, also, if you liked uh, this show, share this episode with a friend or two. Go to iTunes, write a review and yeah, follow us on iTunes. You can also follow the journey on Instagram, Strategic Tech Coaching, and more information about Strategic Tech Coaching on strategictechcoaching.com. To learn more about CoBabble, the learning platform, go to strategictechcoaching.com slash learning platform. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast with your host, Oscar Endermo. We'll catch you next time.